0: You are locked on Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. Stephen Simcox here with you. Uh, Gonna talk a number of things today, and we'll start with uh, women's basketball, and then we'll get into some football, uh, kind of some assorted notes. Um, in our second segment. In our third segment, I talked a little bit yesterday about Texas and how I just feel like um, I'm kind of nervous about the Steve Sarkeesian hire because he has a better resume and he's building a staff that has a better resume than Tom Herman did when he walked into that Texas job a couple of years ago. So I'll cover all that ground. Don't forget, um, if you enjoy today's show or you're just interested in hearing more, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. On Spotify, on Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast, you can subscribe, and then the pod goes automatically to your phone. I appreciate you joining me on a Thursday. It is January uh, 21st, and I'm gonna talk some TCU athletics. Um, the TCU Lady Frogs took on Texas tonight, and they fall to the Horns. Texas won that game. 71 to 54. Texas now 10 and three on the season, four and two in conference play. TCU stands at 500, but uh, I mean really the important record is that they're one and six in conference play and it's just been a struggle all year for this team and once again, uh, you have another game where offensively just not getting many quality shots, not scoring when you do get quality shots. Uh, Michelle Barry led the way for TCU tonight with 14 points. Lauren Hurd had a pretty efficient game. She had 13 points on the night, but other than that, nobody else scores in double digits. They shoot 35% from the field, 38% from three, and even at the free throw stripe, 8 of 12 on the night, 66%. Um, Just not going to do it. I mean, that's not going to get it done. It's not going to stack up on the road against a good Texas team. Texas, led by Vic Schaefer, uh, who coached at Mississippi State for a long time, built a really good program there. They brought him over this season, and, I mean, they haven't been invincible, but they're a pretty solid basketball team, Um, and and TCU played good defense against them. I mean, the Horns only shot 35% on the night, 24% from three, so there was a chance, um, but just did not score enough points, only 54 points on the night for TCU, not nearly enough against a Texas team that was able to uh, get things going and and just – so, another tough night. I know this has to be frustrating. Uh, you know, you're already in a situation where you don't really feel like you have a great shot at the postseason, and you're just going in. You're underdogs most of the time. But hopefully this team can kind of stabilize things as the year goes on. But another tough loss for uh, for the Horn Frogs. And it just comes back to it's really interesting. I mean, um, Lauren Hurd's a great scorer, and I, I felt like with her coming back – kind of running the engine for this team, they could do some special things offensively because they were very efficient. And they weren't a super explosive team last year. I mean, they weren't going to put up 85 or 90 points on you, but um, they were efficient with their possessions. You know, they made things happen. They made it tough on defenses. And they just haven't been able to do that this year. That's been the story all season long. You know, Tavi Diggs who has been a nice spark plug off the bench, only seven points, two of six from the field. Um, it's just, it's not been there. And now they move on to play Texas tech and that's a game that I feel like they're going to have a pretty good shot in that Saturday at home. They played Texas tech really well, uh, on the road earlier this season. They actually jumped out to a big lead early in that game. And you felt like maybe, um, they could pull away and go on a run, but they let tech, they let Texas tech, excuse me, back in that one, ended up losing a close one. Um, and the final score for that one was 78-72, to 72, and that was back in December. So now you play them again, uh, and then after that you get Baylor. I mean, I, I feel like we all kind of know how that's going to go. It's going to be a tough battle against them. But there's there's opportunities here and there to pick up victories. But all that being said, you're almost halfway through the Big 12 schedule now, and you're sitting at 1-6 in conference play. Um, It's just disappointing. You know, I I certainly expected um, a little bit of a drop-off because you lost so much production from last year's squad, but they also finished second in the Big 12. And, I mean, they were above 500. They won tough games on the road. They protected their home court. I mean, really the only games they lost were to Baylor, a couple of head-scratching games to Texas Tech, and, and then a loss to Texas. But they handled their business for the majority of the year, so it was hopeful that could continue on, um, but it just hasn't been the case this season. So Reagan Peoples' squad will try to regroup and get back at it as they play again on Saturday. And remember, if you, if you haven't heard or if you didn't get to listen to yesterday's edition of Locked on Horn Frogs, uh, the TCU men are not going to play this weekend. Um, their midweek game and their weekend game both had to be postponed because the men are dealing with COVID-19 right now. Jamie Dixon has COVID. We hope he gets better. And then, uh, I mean, I'm I'm guessing either via contact tracing or there's um, some more positive tests that we just don't know about. But uh, because of that, TCU can't field the team right now, so they're not going to be able to play again on Saturday. And um, they already had about eight days off, so now you're talking about really two weeks off, almost two and a half weeks off before you play Kansas and Lawrence. Um, this coming Tuesday that's not an easy test and I, I was hopeful that they might be able to bounce back and play well against this Texas Tech team coming up this weekend after that long layoff um, but right now the problem is you're not getting any practice in because you have guys that are isolating trying to get better which is obviously the most important thing but from a you know competitive standpoint. Uh, getting back in a rhythm, getting on track, which has been a problem all year because of guys in now the lineup because of COVID or guys in now the lineup because of injury. You're just you're not you're not getting that done um, because you can't practice right now. So that's going to continue to be an issue. But uh, the TCU women fall tonight, 71 to 54. Another just really tough night shooting the basketball, making plays, and um, they'll host Texas Tech on Saturday and hopefully they can get out there and get a victory um, and, and continue to just try to build and get better as the season goes on. Coming up next, we'll talk some TCU football. Before we do that, I want to tell you about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a, a great website. If you need car parts, if if you're someone who doesn't really know a lot about cars and you struggle to understand um, you know what exactly your car needs, there's so many makes and models today. And it can be confusing. What What do I need? What's what, am I getting ripped off? Is this the best price? Is this actually going to work? RockAuto.com is great because it compares things by price. It compares things by make and model, and it just puts everything right there for you where you can understand it. it it's something I use, and I know next to nothing about vehicles and, and maintenance. So if I can do it, anyone can. It's It's not just for um, you know weekend project guys or uh, novice users is also for do-it-yourselfers and mechanics. Reliably low prices. Every part your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Make sure when you go to that website um, in the how did you hear about us section, you click locked on so that they know we sent you. Again, that's RockAuto.com. Back here on... the. Uh, <laughs> Almost at ESPN Central Texas. That's the radio station I work for. Back here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. I'm Stephen Simcox here with you. And I wanted to talk about some some TCU football notes. I saw this earlier today on the 247 boards. And uh, this was from Parker Fleming who um, does his own podcast, and newsletter called Purple Theory with Grant McAlliard. It's a really good um, podcast. It's a really good website. And he – Puts together, you know, TCU content on a frequent basis. So that's another source for uh, TCU news and notes if you want it. But he, um, he charted Max Duggan's throws and, uh, tried to give you some context on where he threw the ball, um, and how effective he was when he threw the ball based on, you know, where it was on the field. So, um, I'll break down some of these numbers. Now, I'm sure you won't be surprised, but throwing the ball deep down the field, Max was not super effective. Um, On throws, 20-plus yards to what they would consider the outside right, so the right side of the field, he was 5 of 16 for 202 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. To the outside left, he really struggled, 4 of 13, 141 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But between the numbers, on so down the middle of the field, on passes, 20-plus yards, he was 8 of 17 for 355, three touchdowns, zero picks. And remember that. Remember the middle of the field because he was effective there on 20-plus yards, on throws, 10-plus yards between the numbers in the middle of the field. He was 16 of 23, 306 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And then on uh, throws from the line of scrimmage um, to you know, the first down marker, between 0 and 10 yards, in the middle of the field he was 13 of 51, 278 yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. But what you see here is a quarterback that's really effective throwing the ball between the numbers. Now, when he threw the ball on the outside on throws of 10-plus yards to the outside right, he was 2 of 7. Um, on throws between 0 and 10 yards to the outside right, he was 7 of 15. And on the left side, when he had to throw the ball down the field, 10-plus yards on throws to the outside left, he was 2 of 5. And again, I said 20-plus yards, he was 4 of 13. Now, this is frustrating because I didn't have these numbers with me when I was watching games, obviously. I wasn't charting it. But... I felt like when you watch games, you could tell, man, throwing the ball in the middle of the field is what he's best at. Like, that's what he thrives in, that's what he does well. And it's just silly that they forced all these kind of jump balls and fade patterns. And I get it to a certain extent. I mean, I get you have Quentin Johnston out there. You want to give him an opportunity to line up on the outside and try to get a free release and go up and high point the football. And because of his size and his strength, it's going to be hard to stop that. But Max has shown that's not really his strength. I mean, what he does well is find guys in the middle of the field. A lot of times it's on RPOs. Um, You know, in that first game in Iowa State, like – Artavius Lynn had a huge game. And a lot of it was just pop passes to the tight end in the middle of the field or, you know, throwing to Taylor Barber in the middle of the field. Pro Wells, unfortunately, just never really got involved in the offense. And it's just a crime that they didn't use some of those weapons when you have a quarterback that is, is clearly good at something and is throwing between the numbers. And you're not going to use it. I just I don't understand it. I don't understand what the thought process is. I don't understand what they were trying to get at by throwing some of these passes to the outside right and the outside left um, when you have a QB who has shown some strength by throwing between the hashes and throwing the middle of the field. Now, I don't know what uh, Chandler Morris is great at, but I know that if Max Duggan's in the game – That's what they should shoot for. So I found that interesting. And, again, that's from Parker Fleming, who uh, works for Purple Theory. And one more kind of interesting note here. um, Pro Football Focus, which is a really cool website, uh, they chart almost every play, um, and they listed their 101 top college football players in the country. There was only one TCU Horn Frog on the list. And it was Travius Hodges Tomlinson at 14. Uh, the little write-up next to his name says, Many moons ago, TCU had a college football start running back who ended up in the NFL Hall of Fame. That man was Ladanian Tomlinson. Now his nephew, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, looks like he might just join him in the pantheon of Horn frog greats, the nine, 177-pound corner, posting an 89.1 coverage grade in his first full year as a starting job. Not only did that lead the Big 12, but it led everyone in FBS. Hodges Tomlinson struggled in the season debut, allowing four catches for 69 yards and a touchdown, but he was almost flawless the rest of the way. He actually broke up more passes, 14, than catches allowed, 12, on 45 targets in the game after that debut. So, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, the only Horn Frog on this list. And I can't say it enough. I mean, he just had an incredible season. Like, his ability to step in there in that number one corner role – and guard some of the best receivers in college football week in and week out and step up and do it well um, was incredible. And this secondary, at least at that corner position, obviously at safety you have some question marks because you're replacing two guys who are probably going to play in the NFL. But at corner, this secondary is going to be so good. I mean, I just don't see a way where it's not good with the guys they have. And Travius Hodges-Tomlinson and Noah Daniels and Kian Stewart, C.J. Caesar. They're going to be deep. They're going to be effective. And I'm excited to watch that group play when uh, the season gets started in August. One more segment coming up next. But before we do that, I want to tell you about betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, betonline.ag. they got the latest lines. They also have news. They'll give you the latest news and sports headlines. Um, they'll help you out. Conference championship games are coming up this weekend. And the NFL, if uh, you don't really have a reason to watch, why don't you try to make some money off of it? And if you go to betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Betonline.ag, visit there today and make some money on the NFL, college basketball, and more. One more time, that's BetOn One more segment here on Locked On Horn Frog. Steven Simcox here with you. And uh, today, um, on one of the radio shows I work on, we had Jeff Howe on. He works for Horns twenty four seven. And yesterday, I brought this topic up. I thought it was interesting. I just I feel like Steve Sarkeesian is much more prepared to take over this Texas program than Tom Herman was. And what I mean by that is, Tom Herman was a you know Power Five offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Did a great job there. Um was an effective coach at Houston. That's obviously a group of five schools, so it's a little bit different, but he was effective there. And then he walks into that Texas job, and it's a totally different ball game. And he brought over most of his Houston staff. I mean, he didn't really make a lot of changes in assistant coaches. He just kind of transitioned that Houston staff to the Texas staff. So you had a lot of guys that had never had Power 5 experience before suddenly coaching – in big time football at UT. And I, I just, I found that very interesting. But to contrast that, Steve Sarkeesian is building a pretty salty coaching staff right now there at UT. And I asked Jeff how today, I said, Do you feel like Steve has a better chance to succeed at UT? Because he seems to be building a staff that knows what they're doing, Jeff. I know that Tom Herman was like the the hottest coach on the market when he was hired, and LSU was very interested as well for, from that head coaching position. But do you feel like Steve Sarkeesian and his staff they just have a better understanding of what it takes to be at a power five school and and uh, you know what a job like Texas entails? Because Tom's experience, he, he had been obviously at Ohio State, but. Um, he had been the head coach at Houston, and that was really it. Do, do you feel like this is a staff with just more skins on the wall and, and a, a bigger resume that could command more respect from the players?
0: Well, I think you hit the, the term on the head, Stephen, staff. Uh, and that and honestly, and I don't know, maybe we should have seen it coming. Uh, and it's not that everything that happened under Tom Herman in Texas was terrible. There were periods of success and even periods where they were really good. Uh, but even one of his concerns was when he put that initial staff together, you know, there weren't guys that had a ton of Power 5 experience on that staff. I mean, Oscar Giles did from his time in Texas. I think Craig Niver had one year at Kentucky. Drew Maringer had one year at Rutgers. I mean, Stan Drayton had been in the Power 5 level and, and Tim Beck had. so. But it wasn't like they had just an overwhelming ton of power five experience uh you look at this Texas staff I mean the most inexperienced guy is Blake Gideon who quite frankly just hasn't been a coach period all that long uh you know he's bringing Jeff Banks Kyle Flood even A.J. Milley is an analyst all those guys are coming from Alabama Terry Joseph's been at the power five level obviously Pete Kwiatkowski's been a defensive coordinator at the power five level since he came he we went uh with Chris Peterson from Boise to Washington when Chris Peterson replaced Steve Sarkeesian. We'll see who they're going to hire for that inside linebacker's job. But Davis has a lot of power five experience. Uh, you're retaining Andre Coleman and Sam Drayton, obviously, who had that experience. So, yeah, I think this staff is more experienced. I, and I think Steve Sarkeesian valued two things, really, when he put this staff together. Number one, how good are these guys as recruiters? Uh, and two, how good are these guys? What track record do they have? Developing talent, and that to me, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's talked about that a, a lot. And, and look, I'm not telling you guys anything we haven't talked about in the years we've been doing radio together, or anybody that watches Texas. Recruiting talent is not an issue in Texas. Acquiring talent is not a problem. Can you go develop it properly? Steve, I think that's probably guys on field probably priority number one for Steve Sarkeesian is figuring out how to maximize the talent. And I think this staff with the experience they've got. Other, you know, the hire itself, you can grade it however you want And People are going to do that. For me, this staff is one guy I haven't felt this good about a Texas coaching staff in a long time. It's not that any of these guys are going to reinvent the wheel, but it's just a lot of them have skins on the wall as recruiters. A lot of these guys have, you know, elite level power five experience. Even, you know, a guy like Pete Rakowski, Terry Joseph, they don't have national championships, but they've been in the college football playoff. You know, Blink getting as a player played for a national championship. So uh, these, the, all these coaches, they've got big-time, legitimate experience that, quite frankly, Tom Herman's initial staff and Charlie Strong's initial staff really didn't have in the, in the totality that this group does.
1: That's Jeff Howell talking shop with me on my radio show earlier today. And, yeah, I just – I mean, I think he he hits something on the head there, which is – Texas has never had trouble bringing in talent. That's not the problem. I mean, they have talent. It's just all about developing that talent, getting these guys to buy in, and not getting outcoached. I mean, the last few years, Gary Patterson has just outcoached Tom Herman. And I don't know if that will still be the case with Steve Sarkeesian and the rest of his staff coming in. I obviously hope it will be, and we'll get a better look at that when those two teams meet in Fort Worth later this year. Coming up tomorrow – I'll get you ready for TC Women's Basketball Game against Tech over the weekend, and we'll have some more discussions. It's the Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.